Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. Grab your cup of coffee or your tea, sit back, relax, and let's chat about what's happening up in the stars above us. And of course, it is the third Friday of the month. That means we have Pia and Colin with us. Hello, Pia. Hello, Colin. How are you? We are delighted to be with you as always and looking forward to the wonderful conversation we always have. Right. And happy new year to you. I know uh, it's, you know, three weeks into the new year, but I haven't seen you since the new year. So <laughs> happy 2022. Thank you. Thank you. And to you also. Yes. Thanks. We had, we had an interesting new year's, right? Our whole, our whole uh, end of the year and new year was a practice in resilience. Yes. And uh, I, I was pleasantly surprised at how resilient not only I was, but that my entire family, including the kids, right? The kids, what great examples for all of us after coming from a, what, 21 hour drive and all the kids except one were all together in one car. And just by the joke of the universe, putting it on that one daughter and uh, they still wanted to hang out with one another. After we got to the house that we were going to be spending Christmas at, they were all playing games and uh, putting on a, a, a little play and a, a show. And it was so funny because I'm like, you guys just spent 21 hours together and look at you. <laughs> a lesson for all of us. Correct. Right. Sometimes the kids are the best lessons. Yes. Well, uh, how I, were your holidays? Um, quiet. Qu we, quiet. We answered a lot of distress calls. So we did some service stuff, not mm -hmm. just celebrating, but that's always a joy to us. Yeah. We, we pretty much worked through Christmas and the new year um, by uh, spending time with people who were either in trauma stress or just needed somebody to talk to. So we, we did a lot of sessions during those days. Well, we also took solstice off so that we could have a celebration of our own. Nice. Very nice. And, and how nice that you could be uh, available for people who would be in need. The holidays sometimes bring up all those triggers, don't they? Yes, Absolutely. They do. they do. All the things, family things, grievances, emotions, hurts, wounds. Memories. Memories. The holidays, the holidays bring up memories. Indeed. Indeed. And then if those are not such pleasant memories... It can really send people down a cycle of fear, self, you know, pity, uh, yeah. victim energy, just a bunch of stuff. Having to deal with the emotions of loss, perhaps, or grief. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Our family, we were dealing, of course, with grief a bit over the holidays as well. It was nice to be away from home and have mm -hmm. something else to focus on. Um, but, of course, Southern California's weather wasn't very pleasant. The whole time we were there, it rained. I'm like, God, we must have brought the rain with us from the Northwest. Oh, but we still had fun. I mean, at least we're used to the rain, right? Everybody else there was like crazed because it was raining. And I'm like, really? Welcome to our reality. So it was kind of fun. Uh, I well, see a lot of people checking in this morning. Good morning, JLo, Pam Zaruba, and Tanya Hardiman, and Ursula. Good morning to you, Tammy Smith. Hello. And Tom Wright. Hello, Astro family, gods and goddesses. Always Tom. Love, love to be with Tom. Uh, now, we are going to have sort of a, an interesting conversation this morning. We're going to move like we always do through whatever it is that, that uh, strikes our fancy. 
Um, but I did notice when I was looking at my Pleiadian Earth calendar that there is a collective shadow period coming up. And before we get into the collective shadow period, let's talk about where we are. We're in the week of, cho of choosing, right? We started with one choosing. And today we're at self-regulating, seven self-regulating. Tell us about that and where we are in the calendar with that. Choosing energy is often considered the energy of the path of destiny because mm -hmm. the power of choice is so potent for us. And most of us make choices at an unconscious or subconscious level, not at a conscious level. And the more we work with the intention to choose wisely, the more we bring those choices up to a conscious level. So choosing energy is actually considered to be quite auspicious or very lucky because when we're in that energy and paying attention to it, we can be magnificent manifestors of, of different things because of the choices that we make. So we like choosing energy. It's very, very upbeat. <laughs> and really, that is all we really have is our free will, really, is the power of choice. Yes. Yeah. And I always remember, I, do you guys, have you ever heard of the, the band Rush? Yes. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And they had a song and the song, one of the, the phrases in the songs is, if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. Yes. That's absolutely the yeah, truth. We love, we love that. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, it's already there in our, in our um, songs and our, in our words and our poetry that mm -hmm. all we really have in our power is the power of choice. Right. And how we choose to show up. Right. How do we choose to, what we choose to say in a moment? Mm -hmm. um, do we say anything or not? Right. <laughs> all of those things. One of the things I find most powerful about this energy is that if we pay attention to what you were just talking about and the choices we make, if we react to something automatically, we're staying stuck in old patterns of separation, causing more separation, more judgment, more pain. If instead we make a choice to respond to whatever's going on, we bring about more peace, harmony, and unity. So in every single moment, it's not just what we choose to do, but it's also whether we choose to respond or react. And reaction is so common and so such a natural impulse that it takes a bit of training to learn to respond instead of reacting. But this is a great energy to support that, that practice. And as Larkma has said for years, the, the quicker we make the distinction between responding rather than reacting, we can diffuse a lot of conflictual energy or a lot of animosity or a, a, just a lot of negative energy by making those choices as very, very quickly as we can. Instead of, instead of going, as Pia just said, into the old paradigm of, of a huge emotional reaction, if we catch ourselves really quickly, we can bypass all of that, that conflictual, competitive, absolutely harmful energy that we will be putting out and spreading out everywhere, rippling out everywhere, if we just make those choices as quickly as possible. Quickly as possible, but also from a different place than reaction. I mean, yes. Yes. I mean, yes. you're, you're actually talking the language I talk about all the time here with people because the in, in human design, we see that we have this energy template that is our bodies and 
the different energy centers that are in the body regulate different types of energy. So there's also one that regulates emotion, right? The solar plexus. And the solar plexus is undergoing or will be undergoing a major uh, rewiring, if you will, uh, in 2027. And that creates an evolutionary leap about how it is that we use emotional energy. And emotional energy, of course, right now on the planet is reactive, right? Most people, even myself included at times, you know, we get, it's easy to fall into an old habit of reacting to the thing that's happening to something that someone said, something that you read or, you know, something in the world, instead of really just taking that moment to breathe in, breathe out, (laughs) and then choosing what it is that you're going to say or do or even not say or not do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So we it's totally, a really important lesson. Yeah, we totally agree with that. So we're going to move from choosing energy, these 13 days that we're in now, directly into a more volatile place, preparing us for the collective shadow that's coming. We move into moving energy next, which gives us the opportunity for some really high level experiences and some really down low level experiences. <laughs> we run the gamut. Now we get to practice choice. <laughs> we do. It's right on purpose. The universe really gets a laugh out of this, I think. Oh but they, my gosh. The moving energy gives us the highs and the lows all at the same time. So we really get to practice what we're doing now in action. But the 13 days that follow this period, that starts on January 28th. And it goes through February the 9th. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then on February the 10th, we move into self-regulating energy, which is the energy of today, by the way. Self-regulating energy is always the start of a new collective shadow because it is the doorway to our really regulating ourselves to respond differently in the world, in ourselves, and with each other. just take that in for a minute because there's so much astrologically going on uh, especially this first you know few um, months of the year where one of the primary evolutionary pulses that we had that began actually at the end of December was about um, bringing compassion and peace and sensitivity and awareness um, intolerant you know a recognition of it where we have been intolerant where we need forgiveness and all of that So it feels like we're going to have many opportunities to practice all of that. Yeah, we we definitely will. And and what you just described, all of those those adjectives or all of those ideas about what we're being given, what's available, that's exactly the energy that we need to stop reacting, to stop being so absolutely irritable about what comes to us if we don't like it. So using compassion, using using the time to think about what we are going to say, as you mentioned earlier, this is an absolute perfect opportunity to use all of those tools to do it differently. Um, we, have a, we have a little joke that Larkma told us a long time ago. And they said very simply, whenever you're listening to somebody and you have an idea that might be opposing or different than what the other person is saying, maybe you need to walk it around the block before you say it out loud. Just give it some time. 
let it percolate, listening to the other person's ideas or perspectives, but don't immediately tell them that they're wrong or that you don't like their idea. Just give it a moment. As you said, take a breath and mm. give some time to it and then respond. And by doing that, it can be a much smoother, much more compassionate and unified way of dealing with people. And it's not just with people, it's with circumstances, people, or organizations, anything. So we have a perfect path that the universe has planned out for us. We have this opportunity of 13 days to practice making good choices. And then we take it to a new level when we move into moving energy and somebody <laughs> in the universe amps the circumstances. We get to how we're going to move out of those reactionary states into the responsive states. And then we move into self-regulating energy to really do the work with the collective shadow. And for anybody out there who doesn't know what the collective shadow period is, every 260 days, Venus moves into a certain period of alignment with Earth where we have the opportunity to be able to clear out anything that's not working. Humanity has never taken advantage of that. What that typically looks like is that we have more things go wrong externally because nobody's doing the work of working with the shadow collectively. So things tend to have a tendency to go kaboom during a collective shadow cycle. That means that those of us who are aware of it have this grand opportunity for service. We know that it's going to be a volatile period. We know there's opportunity for a lot of change. So we can consciously intend and plan to do our very best to keep our vibration up and to send light into the collective to support any changes that might be ready to happen. And it lasts three weeks. It starts on February 13th and it goes through March 4th. So it's a three-week period where we can really be of service if we choose to be. And, and there again, we have that word, choose, right? Yes. We get to choose to either be uh, the role model for how things could be, even in the face of conflict or confrontation, or we can choose <laughs> to keep ourselves stuck to the past where we react to things instead of responding to things. Yep, yes. exactly. And yeah. and this, this is the distinction between seeing everything as a challenge, seeing everything as, as a as a stumbling block or, or a, an agitating experience, we can see all of these challenges as opportunities instead of, instead of going, Oh, here it comes again, or, you know, this is too much. We can actually go inside and say to ourselves, well, this is an opportunity. We, we can do something different. We can choose to do something different. And that's what's so good about these periods because it's a high road and a low road. We can we can run with positivity and introspection, or we can be the grumpy old people that we used to be. And it's and once again, it's our choice to go with the high energy or go and stay with the low energy. You're exactly right. Um, I am watching kind of the um, conversation that's going on out here. And there's a couple of questions. One, somebody recognized that, let's see, Ursula said that she just read that there are massive solar flares heading toward Earth. Do you think these flares are part of our DNA upgrades and evolution? And how do we best respond to this as a collective? Good question. 
yeah. absolutely say that the sun is participating in our evolutionary movement. Mm. And solar flares cause us to examine our reactivity more closely. So I think it's in perfect alignment with where we are. And I think the sun is supporting us to evolve. And Larkma always says that light brings more DNA activation. So right. Right. light. I always think of this, you know, how the sun has its own breathing in and breathing out cycle, 11 yes. years, right? Where you get to the solar uh, flare high and then it wanes and then we're in a, a lull. And when we're in the lull, that's the time where the earth and all of the solar system really is being bathed in a lot of, of high active particles, gamma rays, you know, all of those kinds of things that, that have an effect on us here, allowing our DNA to uh, change and mutate. And then when we have the active solar flare time, um, it's deflecting a lot of those rays so that we can integrate everything that has been bombarding us over the, the lull period of time. So it really is a chance for us to embody more and more of the light, even though it does tend to stir up the planet and create some chaos, at least technologically, um, or the potential there for that kind of stirring up. So Well said. Let's explain very nicely. Thank you. You're welcome. And I mean, but it's, it's a part, it's something that like the calendar here, right, where we see this repeating cycle that we're a natural part of and not some, uh, something outside of it, that mm -hmm. when we can really tap in and understand without fear that, oh, no, solar flare, and I'm not saying, Ursula, that you were in fear about this, but, you know, people are like, oh, no, solar flares, you know, our technology is going to go down and you'll start to hear all these different stories about the big one or, uh, <laughs> you know, the time that uh, we just barely missed the big wave that could have knocked Earth out of uh, orbit or <laughs> whatever they say. But we can choose in any moment that we're going, that we understand we're a part of all of this. Yeah, yes. ab absolutely. And this this is another indication of how we can use duality uh -huh. as, as a positive tool rather than a negative tool, because the chaos that something like solar flares brings to Earth and brings to us collectively, individually, could be seen a as a disastrous or a, 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 a negative situation. But the dualistic view of that is exactly what you just explained. It's also, once again, the opportunity for growth. It's the opportunity for change. And that, that is one of the most wonderful things we can understand about duality, because duality has been given a bad rap, that, <laughs> that, that it only separates us. It only, it only makes problems. It only, it only does things that, that causes more conflict. And that's absolutely not the truth. Duality can bring us closer together, it can unify us, and it can expand all of our perspectives. Right, right. Expansion, that's, an, that's another big thing that's happening with Jupiter in Pisces, a sign that he co-rules mm -hmm. along with Neptune, who is the more modern ruler of, of Pisces, also in the same sign. We have this, this kind of potent opportunity to expand ourselves spiritually, to mm -hmm. expand ourselves beyond the limited human capacity for the mind, 
And I think we should all take advantage of that during this period of time because it, it's not necessarily going to happen again anytime soon, right? This is the moment. This and, is the moment and we've been waiting for. Not only have we been waiting for it, but this is an opportunity basically that humanity has never had before. These energies are different. These energies are potent. They, they, they are meaningful in a completely different way than, than what we've experienced as a society or a culture. So this is absolutely the time for expansion and growth in a way that we've never, most people haven't even thought about it. It hasn't been part of their, their understanding at all. So this is a great time to move forward. So let's do it, right? Let's do it. You know, and the other thing about Piscean energy, where Jupiter and Neptune both are, is that in the shadow of Piscean energy lives victimization, right? Mm -hmm. Or the, the victim martyr kind of, of energy that's been, you know, pretty prevalent on this planet for millennia. And what an exquisite time it is then for us to, to really change that model, to realize that the only way to let go of being a victim is to become responsible, responsible, yes. to choose to be different, to choose to look at things differently. Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of things out there making us fearful or that could create, you know, a, a path to fear mm -hmm. for all of us. Um, you know, and that's been beaten at us for the last couple of years, at least with the whole COVID scare and all of that. But there are so many other things economically, right? I was reading an article the other day about the economy and I had to put it away. I just had to put it away because it was so filled with doom and gloom, right? Yeah. Doom and gloom. And I thought, you know, the more that we focus on the doom and the gloom, the more we're energizing that to become something Ab that we experience. Absolutely. Yeah. That is so true. Right. That, that, that is a really interesting topic. We, we have a Swedish friend who's a telejournalist. And for years, she stepped out of, out of the mainstream media because she could not stand the negativity that all the reporting that, that the reporters and the journalists were told to look at were all negative. She finally couldn't handle it anymore. And she quit her job. I think she'd worked in the field for 20 or 30 years. She tried to start a new network of positivity, of only good news. It didn't work because people, <laughs> people weren't interested. And, and the networks in Scandinavia did not want her to do this. So it didn't work. But she tried valiantly to do this. And we need more of that kind of attitude. We need more of an opposite of the doom and gloom, the negativity to surface so that people can realize that, yes, there are good things going on with all this other junk. Absolutely. There is um, a, a one periodical that I subscribe to that every day I get. It's called the Good News Network. Mm -hmm. And so it's a series of, of, of stories that come in uh, each day. In fact, let's see, do I have one today? Uh, I might have already read it. Uh, nope, I haven't gotten it yet today. And one of the um, the things that I really like about it is that it it might run the gamut from something that someone's doing that combats uh, climate change, and they're not putting it as in oh woe is us, you know the climate's getting hotter. It's it's more it, uh, put to us as a, a way to create sustainably, 
or mm -hmm. to do something in a sustainable way. Sometimes it's really good, feel good, like animal stories of people who go out and help the dolphins or the whales or the manatees or things like that. So there are places out there, but you have to go and look for them. And that's the sad part right now, right? But go look for the good news stories. Look and I see what is the good thing that's going on. I think you should put the link out there for everybody to be able to find good news instead of the doom and gloom. <laughs> Absolutely. Goodnewsnetwork.com, I believe. And well, you know what? I'm, I've got my uh, access here. Let's just do with a good news. Then I'll copy the, the link. Good news and network. Um, goodnewsnetwork.org. So let me copy their link. And so uh, let's see, get back to StreamYard, control me, and voila, you guys have it. Whoops. <laughs> that was the plan. <laughs> there it goes. So yeah, so, you know, pur purposefully looking for the good news instead of the doom and gloom. The doom and gloom is going to come to you anyway, right? Because if you if you have a phone, likely you're going to see it at some point in time. Uh, but go looking for the good stuff. Go looking for the good news. Um, somewhere along here, I saw a question for you uh, from Tom. It says, I'm reading the P manual. Larkma recommends us to speak in the first person plural, i.e. we. I've been taught that I can't speak for others, only myself. Please expand or clarify. <laughs> does that make sense? Well, it does make sense. Okay. We'll not speak for someone else without their permission. But the idea is to join our hearts together so that we know that when we're speaking about something that it can be inclusive. For instance, we want a better world. I don't think I need to ask anybody's permission to know that everybody wants a better world. So mm -hmm. Larva's encouraging us to choose appropriately moments when we can use we because it expands our consciousness to think about more than just ourselves. What they're trying to do is help us understand to get away from this me, 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 me stuff that has been ingrained into us ever since psychology took the turn of we have to look at individuality. I don't think that was necessarily an evolutionary step. I think psychology <laughs> made a real misstep on that one because we already know we're individuals. And I think there's been way too much focus on individuality and not enough focus on unity, how we're alike instead of how we're separate. You know, people will say, that's just me, as if, you know, I'm not talking about anybody else. That's just me. But really, we are oftentimes speaking about our whole species. We want a better world. We want less pain and suffering. We want less hunger. We want more abundance. There's plenty of opportunities to use the word we, Tom. Yeah. You just have to do it consciously and selectively. It's a it's a unifying term. It's It's not... It's not speaking for everyone without their permission, but it's a unifying way of utilizing the, the phrase that Larkma loves in Lakesh, the Mayan, the Mayan word meaning, I am another yourself. So we see it as, as really a unifying way of including everybody. Pia said inclusive, and I think that's a great way of describing it. So I think- Yep, absolutely. It takes us away from, I want this for myself. I want this because I want it. If if we want it in a greater way, because it's for the highest good of all, 
that is we instead of just me or I. And that's the way the Pleiadians make all of their decisions. They do everything through the collective we. They have joined energy and they are guided by their hearts and their hearts are so in alignment with what's for the highest good that using we for them is quite natural for almost everything. Whereas we are trained by society to say, I, 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 me, 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 me. <laughs> it doesn't, in the, in the Pleiadian sense, they are still individuals. They, they, if we use Larkma as an example, when they call themselves one of six and six of one, what they mean is they are individuals still, but everything they do, everything they think, every action they take is a collective of all six of their individual ideas to come to a consensus. So we for them really means unity and cooperation, collaboration for the highest good of all. And you can listen to them when you listen to their recordings. There is a subtle difference between which of the six is actually speaking. You can feel the different energy of their individuality, even though they say we this and we that. And there have been certain amusing moments. Well, they have participated with the eye just to see how it sounded and, and <laughs> told us, we just want to see what that feels like. So every morning, <laughs> you will hear them say, I this or I that, and then they'll go back to we again. They're practicing where we live so they can help us. Yeah, it's really funny. Some some people who have listened to Larkma, either in person or um, in recorded events or on the live calls, some people can actually decipher who's speaking, which one of them. Mm. And it, it's really interesting because it's obvious to us because we're so close to them. But it's really neat when we hear other people say, that was a different voice tonight, or part of this was a different voice. I love it. I love it. You know, um, we have been in an exercise of individuality since about the mid 1700s. And we see it in our, our human design template when the identity center split and became the seed of the soul, the, the we, right, the we consciousness. And there became a will center or an ego center that was going to help develop the I. So while I agree that the we is uh, uh, where we're headed, you know, to be more conscious of things, the, the I was necessary as a part of the journey, but we became so individualized <laughs> and we became so dependent on the I that we forgot we were a part of the we. And so it's a process of remembering that we're not just, you know, a person sitting here, you know, making decisions, but we're also a part of a collective that are making decisions and choosing what's happening. So I, I, I love that whole idea. Yeah. I think that's what Larkin was trying to help us return to is a sense of balance because the pendulum yeah. swung too far in the direction of the eye while we were doing self-exploration. That's what yeah. I think happened. I, I think that's good. And and Larkma has used the 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 storyline of we're not talking about turning you into the Borg. We want you to know <laughs> this this is not one of those controlled situations where you begin to say we and you begin to think collectively. They've been very plain. They've been very humorous, but they've also been very plain about it. That that this is not going to take us into a controlled Borg situation. 
Right. That's so funny because I, I think that that is the fear out there. There was a group of people one time. Where was I? I think I was in Vancouver, or Portland, Oregon, and I was talking to a group of people about uh, the Mayan calendar. It was before the Mayan calendar was coming to an end. And we were talking about just that very thing about how do we be in the we. And this one man p spoke up and said, well, I'm afraid of losing myself. I'm going to lose me in all of that. And I think that was the biggest aha moment I think I've had in a very long time was that there's the core fear that mm -hmm. somewhere along the line, we've got this idea that if we begin to resonate as a we, that we're going to lose the I, that we're going to lose our own individual identity, that we need to become monochromatic. But that is so not the case. I love to always explain it to people like humanity or this world or this universe is more like a tapestry. Mm -hmm. The tapestry falls apart if you take pieces out of it, but every piece in it is different, right? It could be like that's, a kaleidoscope. That's exactly what we do. We use a patchwork quilt. It's beautiful, it's colorful, it's wonderful, but uh -huh. every patch is individual, but it takes all of them to make the whole. That's it, pretty right. much the same examples we give. It is. And, and there's another aspect to this, too. When, when we collectively work to help everyone, and I mean that universally, I don't mean Piet, Cullen, and Larkma. When anyone works to do that and works from a unified collective understanding, it enhances the individuality at the same time. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't replace individuality. It doesn't take away from it. It actually enhances who we are individually through the choices and the responsibilities that, that we use. So it's actually a positive rather than a negative or a fearful situation. And I'd Absolutely. like to Christine Buckingham, who just put up on the screen of everyone, all of the droplets together create an ocean. That is almost word for word my quote in the introductory lines of Sacred Retreat, my book that I wrote in 2017 on Sacred Retreat. That's pretty close to my quote in that book. <laughs> and it's it's true. It does take all of Yep. I actually just realized a couple of weeks ago that I can put up comments, mm -hmm. um, that if I click on a comment that it's going to show on the screen. And I saw that comment that she put up there. So it was uh, profound based on what we were talking about. Mm -hmm. So that's why I stuck it in there. Get the book and read to you the quote. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Sacred Retreat. So one of the books that you wrote uh, years ago. Yes. 2017. Yes. Available on your website, I would presume. Where was I? I just saw that book the other day. It's available on the website. It's available from Inner Traditions. It's available in a number of places. And what while we're it? waiting for you to find that, there, uh, I've had a couple of people ask me about the calendar, the 2022 calendar, because it seems to be out of stock. Thank you so much for sending me the links, but even Banyan is out of stock. Wow. on your calendar, which I love. I love the idea that it's become so popular, it's out of stock. Um, so if if you are out there listening and you've been looking for the calendar, be patient um, and um, we'll let you know when it is again available. I'm sure, Pia, you'll let me know. And I won't forget the quote for now. I'll, I'll send it to you later if I, when I find it rather than taking our time now. Oh. Here's the good news and the bad news about the calendar. We have been told that it has been resupplied through Book Depository, but not quite available for purchase yet. You should be able to get it from Book Depository within a week. 
the secondary thing is we're trying to get a second printing of it done, but we've been informed that the printers are out of paper. There's paper shortage. And most of the printers are out on COVID restriction leave for testing positive for the imaginary virus. Um, anyway, those are the situations that are trying to get something new right now. So we're going to circumvent that the way that Larkma always froze. You froze, are you we, froze. Are we here? Now you're here. Okay. We're going to do what Larkma always tells us to do with transcending a challenge. We're going to create a digital file and put it on the website so people can print out their own digital version. And I we love should, that idea. We should have that available within a couple of days. If you can't get it by print, you'll be able to get it digitally. And we apologize. This We were not expecting it to catch on <laughs> as well as it did, which is very exciting. But also, we're not, can't do anything about the situation with the printers. The whole, the oh, whole, yeah. print, the whole printing industry, be, because of worldwide problems, I mean, there are many, it's not just the COVID situation, but so many problems with, yeah. with, the, with the world economy. The, all of the publishers and all of the printers cannot keep up with the demand of all the books, the calendars, Everything that's being printed right now is backlogged. And it, we did not expect this, but it's a reality at this point. Yeah. And it's not just in the printing industry. It's everywhere. Like it is. In, in everything. My husband works at an uh, uh, electrical supply company. And for months, they haven't been able to get wire. And then mm -hmm. suddenly a bunch of wire will come in. And then everybody says, oh, the wire's in. So they get rid of all the wire. And then they don't have any more because it's not the supply line issue or whatever it is. It's bizarre. So, it's a bizarre world we live in right now. So for Christine and everybody out there with this beautiful quote that you've added together, uh -huh. here's the quote that I wrote in Sacred Retreat. It's actually quoted in this book, Pleiadian Earth Energy Astrology, okay. on the first pages. We are all parts of one human family, one body, like drops of water in the same ocean, taken from Sacred Retreat, but it's on the on the introductory pages of Pleiadian Earth Energy Astrology because it's such an important concept. And Christine, thank you for bringing it to the forefront again. It's great. It's great. Um, I'm trying to see if there are other really ones. It's the something trying to stop the good news getting through. I, I'm going to show the comment because I can't tell what the picture is. Monster. It's the monster trying to... Stop the good news getting through. I'm not sure what that is, J-Lo, but I love the picture. Um, so, right, what we can do about it is the focus on the good, right? Focus on what we want, which is, you know. But, you know, there are huge lessons here, I think. Even in this whole idea of the paper, and, and as annoying as I find that, um, that, you know, supplies can't get in and all of that, it does teach us a bit about how to create sustainably. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, we could go on and on about that. Never mind. We've just been utilizing things as if there was never going to be an end to paper or to the trees yes. that supply the paper and yes. uh, all of that, irregardless of the fact that we have other technologies or that there were other more sustainable ways to create paper. And that's just one example, right? The whole food thing is also a problem and all, money is short. And remember, well, you guys might not have had this, but there was a coin shortage at some point, a toilet paper shortage at some point. It's just been stupid, um, stupid, crazy. But 
it teaches us all about how to be more sustainable to what is it real what's really important and how much mm -hmm. of, of stuff do we really need absolutely so, absolutely it, it also brings up what what we call there's always a workaround we can always figure out an alternative way to achieve what we're trying to accomplish and that's so important right now because of shortages because of time limits there's always another way and yeah if, if we use the calendar as an example, producing it digitally is a way around the, the paper printing shortage. It's, it, this will work. It's just something we didn't anticipate, but yeah, it'll be a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because you still have access to it. That's the good news, right? You still have access to it. Uh, the digital download, it, maybe it's even better because you can put it on your screen and see it, right? Mm -hmm. and, uh, I yeah. don't know. But anyway, thank you for uh, addressing that because I was getting uh, some comments about that. And uh, let's see, any other questions here that I want to put up? Uh, I think that's it for that. Now, Pia, before I switch over and start talking a little bit about astrology, you are putting together, uh, is it a, a, could I say it's a webinar or a course? Uh, tell us a little bit about that, just a little, <laughs> a little sound bite about what it is that you're doing. I'm doing a short three mornings in a row baby retreat to take people more deeply into the magic of Pleiadian Earth Energy Astrology, how to use it for yourself, how to use it for your friends and family, chances to ask questions, different aspects that may not be explained fully the way you need to hear them. We're going to have Q&A. We're going to have talk about all the different aspects. 90 minutes for three mornings in a row, March 25th, 26th, and 27th. And if you want more information about that, please go to my website, piaorlean.com, and it will be posted on the website within a, a week or so. So it's going to be out there. You can sign up for my newsletter, and I'll send you all the information. If you go to my website and sign up for the newsletter, when it's available, you'll get all the information. There, I've put it up. Did I do that right? piaorlean.com. Okay. Yes. That's awesome. And I was just going to quick look and see, like, what are the days on the calendar? So did you choose those days specifically for a reason? I did. I did. <laughs> it's uh, five being, five being the universal energy of change, being uh -huh. the beginning of a human cycle with the earth energies. So beginning anew with change is the first day. The second day is six breathing, which is working with duality in and out, the old way, the new way, and flowing through it as we learn the new system. And the seventh day is seven listening, which is mer seven is merging. So we'll be merging old and new and listening to each other as we expand and share together. <laughs> I knew there was a reason you chose those <laughs> days. I think that sounds perfect. So March 25th, 26th and 27th, yeah. uh, go to Pia's or uh, PiaOrlean.com for more information. And is there anything else that we thought we wanted to talk about today that we haven't yet talked about. I think we're ready to hear what you have to share. Awesome. If you think of something, let me know. Uh, so the exciting news astrologically for the weekend, astrologically, but let's talk about it in terms of astro design, is that we are at the time of the human design new year. Hallelujah. The new year, you know, <laughs> we, we have lots of markers, let's say, that um, we we think of as New Year's. We have January 1st, which is really just a mechanical uh, representation of the old Gregorian calendar. 
we have the human design new year, we have a Chinese new year, we have the astrological new year, which begins typically at zero Aries. So March 21st or 22nd, depending on when the equinox occurs. And then as well, we have our, our human design new year that really represents for us, not so much, uh, it's not so much that it's the new year, as in we think of it as being you know, a banner day that is creating a pathway of something new. It's more like the beginning of a new cycle that begins when the sun moves to the gate 41, which is called the gate of imagination. So we have this um, idea then with human design that everything begins up here sort of in the imaginary realm, in the idea realm, in the inspiration realm, and then flows from that idea. And I'm, 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 this is maybe going to be um, confusing later because it's not really ideas coming from the head. It's really impulses that are coming up from the root center. So I'm going to share my screen right now. And I'm assuming I can do this uh, with even though I have people on with me. So hold on one moment here because I wouldn't show everybody what this looks like. And share screen window there it is okay so everybody should be seeing my human design mandala in the center of the mandala if you're not familiar with this um this graphic is the human design template the chart of the human design in the ring right around here are all of the human design gates on the next ring are all of the uh, I Ching symbols or the hexagrams. And then of course, on the outer wheel, all of the astrological signs. And then these little colored areas here are showing where there is definition by a planet on the day that the sun comes back to the gate 41. So this is specifically a picture of what the um, energy looks like on uh, the 22nd, so tomorrow. and like any astrology chart, if we take a picture of something that is happening, uh, we we can kind of determine like what are some of those energies and how are they going to play out? The only two energies that are always going to stay the same on the human design new year is that the sun is at the gate 41 and the earth is at the gate 31. So the sun sitting here at the gate 41 is on a pressure center. The, the root center is the pressure to evolve, right, to move outward into the world. So even though we would think that imagination is something that's coming from the head center, because this is the head center up here, nothing is on the head center, right? It's open. But the pressure to go out and do, to make something of your ideas or to move outward in the expression of your personal evolution, but also our collective evolution happens when the sun comes to the gate 41. And then the earth always at the 31 during this time is showing us what the challenge is going to be. And the gate 31 is called the gate of leadership. And it's really, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a gate of democratic leadership. And I'm not talking about politics here. So, you know, I know democracy and all of that's a pretty loaded word. It's a political word. But the idea of democratic leadership is that we are able to choose the leader and that the leader isn't someone that participates in that leadership as a hierarchy, but participates as a group, right? So as a as a consciousness, a group consciousness. And 
obviously there's the leader, someone that's chosen because of their skills or because of their experiences or because of their wisdom. But a true leader does this in a very humble way. And they accept that role of leadership, but they do not ignore the input of the people around them. And so what we see are the challenges that we have in coming together in a way, in a, in a, uh, a we kind of voice, a we the people sort of voice. Um, but we have to be able to imagine that there is a different way for the world to be. And it starts the the quarter of possibilities here, right? So we have everything that is possible. When we look at some of the other planets involved, we have Uranus up here at the gate of 24, which is the gate of blessings. Uh, the 24 can also be called sometimes the gate of rationalization. It is a gate when we have the planet Uranus, which represents where we become free, where we, be get, where we get liberated or awakened toward liberation, which can sometimes come through a rebellion. Sometimes it comes through revolution. <laughs> it can be sometimes through a shakeup. Um, but here, what it is, is about the blessing in the change. Right. So when Pia talks to us about moving energy that comes up with our next week uh, on the 28th, that moving energy is about opening ourselves up to the ability to have change, to, to, to upset the norm, to push us out of our comfort zone. So Uranus sitting here now for a while, uh, helping us to in this new year, when we're able to envision something more, this is allowing us to free ourselves from the thought that we can only be this or we can only be that, right? This is taking it bigger. Uh, when we look at some of the other planets, we have Neptune and Jupiter both sitting on the emotional solar plexus, teaching us the very vital lessons about response versus reaction. Jupiter at the gate 55, which is the gate of abundance through spirit, having the faith that we are supported, that we are walking a divine path. Neptune at the gate 22, that is our inner evolution, our involution gate. It's called the gate of grace or graciousness. It teaches us about when to be uh, taking action boldly or when to kind of wait uh, because of the mood. The mood might not be right. The timing isn't right. So we have solar plexus focus. We also have two other planets sitting in the root center. So not only are we being pulsed with imagination, creativity, we're also being pulsed with the gate 60, Pluto, the transformation to limitation. We had a long conversation about this the other day, and I just got that word just grates on my ears. But the idea of limitation is to have a solid foundation from which to grow, evolve, innovate, be inventive. Because if you don't have the foundation, you don't stay within the lines, uh, at least you know while you're building something, then it could be built upon a, a, a sand pile, right? And just easily falls apart. So Pluto reminding us that part of the pulse of evolution is in being innovative, yet building the foundation, staying within what's possible. Venus also a big player here on the root center she's in the gate of struggle the gate 38 sometimes we call it the gate of fight it is about the struggle for meaning finding meaning meaningful work meaningful action meaningful relationships meaningful fill in the blank right so it's she's 
putting us in a position of aligning with our values so that the meaning that we find is something that supports us to take our passion out into the world. The South and the North nodes, they've changed positions. Remember that just happened this week, like two days ago, the 18th, uh, or yeah, the, the 18th. So on Tuesday, four days ago, wow, time flies. So now the North node, the direction where we wanna move our collective energy is on, what do I want to contribute to the world? Where's my voice? And how do I focus my voice add my voice to the tapestry, right? Or to the collective uh, uh, quilt that we're making or uh, the kaleidoscope, right? So we're taking, what is my personal contribution? And I'm focusing my energy on bringing that and adding it to the, the full voice of the world. And then the South node, what do we have to let go of in order to, to do that? What do we have to have less of in our lives? And what we have to have less of for the next few months anyway, is teaching us to let go of the work for money concept. Now that's, that's an interesting thing, right? I can just hear people's thoughts going in their heads about what, what would we work for if we didn't work for money? Um, it doesn't really matter. It could be working for food, right? It could be working for time. It could be working for anything, right? Re any kind of resource. But that allows us to move into sort of what we've done in this world is gone to greed and um, money as a motivator instead of really doing the things that we love. We might be choosing jobs or work in the world that makes more money and not necessarily the stuff that we could really make our contribution in, right? We compromise our good. We compromise our, our uh, passion for something that makes us money. And that's what we're needing to let go of so that we can fly and be free of that and be free to be uh, living in our own personal contribution. So hopefully that gives us some, I, to me, that looks like a joyful combination of gates. I know some of them are a little bit tricky, um, but I, I really see the joy in that. I see the ability for us to evolve with so much going on in the center that is really about evolution. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to do something a little bit more fun this morning. And this is a la Ursula, who uh, had a conversation with me yesterday. We were talking about uh, uh, spirit animals. And usually one of the favorite decks that I have, Pia and Colin, is my spirit animal deck. And I like to pull spirit animals to give us an idea, uh, a, a model of uh, behavior, a totem for uh, the time period that we're in. Well, in the gene keys, which is sort of the deeper level of human design, where we can see ourselves in the hologram as opposed to just the 3D, we can see ourselves from 5D or 12D if you wanted to go that far. Um, we can see ourselves in the level of the shadow, the gift, and the city. So we see how it is that we are reaching for the highest and best in the traits in our DNA. Um, both individually, but also the collective expression of the DNA in the world. So I thought we'd take the sun and we would look at the animals associated with the sun and where the sun is tomorrow uh, is the gate 41 or the gene key 41. Those are interchangeable words. When we talk gene key, though, we're talking deeper, right? We're talking broader. And the gene key 41 has in its highest expression the energy of the swallow, which is a bird. So all of the cities are birds in this because birds represent air, birds represent the expansive qualities, the ability to see things from a higher perspective. 
And the swallow urges us to let go of past wounds, let go of the past, or put those negative expressions or experiences in, of the past behind you. You know, letting go of the baggage, that sounds very South Nodish to me as well, releasing ourselves uh, from the old to create a new story, right? Again, we are back to imagination and we are the ones choosing what is the story we want to choose? Is it something that, yes, this happened, but this is how, you know, it's played out in the evolution of my consciousness. It teaches us to live in the moment and it teaches us to create loving, joyful memories, um, not just to focus on those negative memories. And it is also pushing us to break out of our comfort zones. One thing I know to be true with the gate 41 or the gene key 41 is that the imaginal energy, right, that is creative and it can get stuck up here and never become manifest, right? So we have to actually take the creative energy and we have to do something with it. And sometimes that means we have to break out of our comfort zone. So breaking out of the comfort zone here. Now the animal and I'm only going to do the sun in this because, first of all, I'm running out of time, but because this could go deeper and for hours if we wanted to. Uh, the animal, which represents the gift level of the uh, gene keys, is the kangaroo. Now, kangaroo, you know, if you're here in the northern hemisphere, or, I mean, I think it's only Australia, really, where they have kangaroos natively. I mean, we have them in zoos here, but natively. So I had to go, well, I better go looking up what kangaroo means. And it's about grounding in your hopes and your dreams. So 41, where the sun is, really, you know, is the idea of imagination having to become manifest, right? Bringing it out, grounding it in. So hopes and dreams becoming manifest and building a solid foundation to support those dreams, to support your imagination. And with the kangaroo, we gain momentum. We can leap out into the world with assurance because we're following our type and our strategy. We know what our personal authorities are and we can take leaps of faith with certainty, but also with gratitude and appreciation. We can stick it out or get out. I love that. Stick it out or get out. Shall I stay or shall I go is a song, Tom, you'll love that. And you'll probably even know who sings that because I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> shall I stay or shall I go? And it is about walking and remaining play prayerful, but also living life with gratitude, living in gratitude. Now, of course, we don't want to focus too terribly much on the shadow, but the shadow is a part of who we are. It's part of our DNA. And the eel is the representation of the shadow. So we look at the, uh, because the the water animals or the insect world, they're often, they're, they're born in the water world. So it can take us into the depths. And what we have in the eel is emotions and sensitivity. It sounded very Jupiter and Neptune and Pisces to me. And the eel is a master at camouflage and disguise, knowing when to hold back or to, you know, be invisible, but also knowing when it's time to come out and be seen. That it represents kundalini energy, the rising up of the kundalini up the spine, up out of the depths and into the air, rising into the gift level, rising up into the, the uh, siddhi level, spiritual awakening. And it really is the representation of the root center itself, so we're coming up for air, we're coming up for the breath of life, and we're letting go of self-imposed prisons with the energy of eel. So 
thank you, Ursula, for giving me that inspiration yesterday to start talking about these animals. There are also minerals that represent each of the gates. Uh, I didn't get a chance to take it that far, uh, but hopefully that's inspired some of you to look deeper into your own human design, to your own gene keys, and take a look at what those spirit animals are that are uh, available for you. I love it. Any final words for us, Pia and Cullen? We love you. We love the audience. We love the path we're on. We trust we're all going to get there together. I love and, it. And, and I particularly love and really enjoy the depth of how you see everything, not just from an astrological point of view, but, but from the big picture point of view. The way you put things together <laughs> in, a, in, a really, in a really concise Oh, thank you. Coherent, really great way. These conversations we have with you opens up things for me, and I know it does for the audience that that so is so wanting to follow what you have to say. The way <laughs> you do what you do is magnificent. Thank you, guys. And Tom just reminded me. Uh, in fact, you know, one of my favorite things to do, Colin, is to put together puzzles or to uh, pull apart a puzzle. I think that's what I do in what you're saying is, is that I look at all of these pieces, the calendar, the Pleiadian Earth energy, astrology, um, human design and gene keys as all of these different puzzle pieces. And I want to bring them together in a coherent picture. So uh, I'm not going to use animal cards. I'm going to use wisdom. Uh, so thank you for pointing that out uh, to me. And uh, I love you both so much. And now I'm going to pull a card that represents the energy for the weekend. This is the Wisdom of the Oracle deck, a well-used deck for us. And I'm doing that since we already talked about the, the uh, spirit animals. So let's see what card we get for the weekend. Ooh, we get New Life, card 39, which is a 12, which is a 3. So New Life. Look at the little fairy angel there just waking up, kind of humanity, just waking up. Let's see what she's bringing us. She pulled out upright, so it is a, an empowerment message. And the essential meaning of this card is the birth of new ideas, growth, opportunities, a breath of fresh air, life renewing itself. The Oracle's message said, when spring awakens the world, joy and excitement can be felt all around and in every core, and in your very core, excuse me. Blossoms burst from trees overnight, birds return home and sing their glorious song, and nature is full of promise. Miracles beckon all of us. This is one of those times in your life when new ideas inspire you and new opportunities bring you hope for seeing your dreams come true. All is well in your world and you have the energy you need to feel renewed. Allow your heart to fit, fill with enthusiasm. Let your light shine for this is a time of good fortune. Ooh, love that card. That, that, love that card. That matches exactly our conversation today. It does indeed. Choose new life. Choose to be creative. <laughs> choose love. <laughs> choose light. Um, thank you all so much for being here with us today. Thank you, Pia and Colin. I look forward to seeing you again next month. And don't forget to check out PiaOrlean.com for more information on her upcoming um, series of classes. I'm not sure how to, to classes, meetings, uh, get-togethers, courses, magical mornings, magical, magical mornings with Pia. 
I love it. Take care, everybody. Have a great weekend. See you on Monday. Bye for now. Bye.